Danny Payne is Director of Missions, thank you. Thank you. At uh, the Kansas-Nebraska Convention of Southern Baptists. Say that fast three times. Yeah, I said it twice. Now I think I almost got it right both times. Good. But uh, anyway, he's Director of Missions there, has been there for about nine months. Correct. Danny was here at 12th Avenue as a youth pastor from 2007 from 2000 to until 2011, and I know that we really saw his impact, how God used him in the life, especially of Brandon, and Hard. helping to bring him to himself. So anyway, appreciate the work you did then, appreciate the work you do now. Thanks, Thanks for sharing buddy. with us this morning. My honor. Thank you, Steve. Man, it's so good to see you guys again. How's everybody doing? Oh, come on, give me a little love. How you doing? Okay, just checking. I know it's hot outside, but it's good in here. Uh, Garen is on vacation, and he had asked me to step in for a Sunday, and so I'm so privileged to be here uh, seeing familiar faces, and that's, man, it's just so good. Uh, every time I come in, I'm like, man, their kids have gotten tall, and like, you know, I was talking with Ryan and Holly, and they're like, they got one in junior in college, yeah, there was a high school senior, like, I remember when that one was like two, and so, wow, it's time flies. Well, you guys have been walking through Psalms for uh, the summer, right? And Garen said that this group typically goes to about 130-ish. <laughs> Two, thank you. I, 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 do I hear three? We'll go to auctioneer thing. So no. <laughs> Um, we are in Psalms 46, so if you've, got, uh, if you've got your Bible, if you've got your tablet, your phone, whatever you use, uh, we're going to be there in just a moment. Um, I, I don't know if you know this, but uh, uh, this song, I love this, the passage gave birth to Mighty Fortress. I don't know if you grew up in church, but that song is one of my favorite songs growing up as a kid, and uh, I, I, I still love that song. And so what I'd like to do is I'd like to read the passage, and then we're going to go back and kind of pick it apart and kind of see what God has for us, if, if you'll let me do that, all right? So in Psalms 46, it's just 11 verses. Let's, uh, let's take a look at this. It says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the, the earth gives way, though the mountains may be moved into the heart of the sea, though the, its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble and its swelling, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy inhabitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her within when morning dawns. The nations ra rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice and the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolation on earth. He makes war cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow. He shatters the spear. He burns the chariot with his fire. And if you've not grown up in church, uh, you might be familiar with this passage. If, you, if you've not grown up in church, because a lot of people have heard this, but if you've grown up in church, this might be really familiar if you're not familiar with the passage. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. So how many of you have ever heard that passage? Actually, you should raise your hand. You just all heard it. 
I mean, did, so the be still is what a lot of people have heard before. You're, if you've grown up in church or, or you've seen them at people's houses, that's, a, that's a kind of one of those, like if you go to a Hobby Lobby, you'll probably find that verse on a piece of wood to put in your house. I'm just saying. Am I right? Okay. Let me pray. And then what I want to do is I want to kind of go back through and kind of look at it in, in pieces and see what God has for us this morning, okay? So, man, I'm so glad you guys are here. So let's pray. Father, the, the, the foundation of this verse is the be still and know that you are God. And I pray, God, for the next few moments that we would be still in our minds, in our hearts. Our tension this morning, Father, is that we, were, we might be still be thinking about all that we didn't get done from last week or just last week itself. But there may be some here this morning, God, they're thinking about what lies ahead next week and their mind is already racing to that effect. But Father, in this moment, still our minds and our hearts, so not only do we hear your word, but as Steve said a moment ago, God, that we would respond to your word and do what it says. Thank you, God, for your word. In your name I pray. Amen. Okay, so let's look at this. And, and I got to tell you, I'm a, you know, Garen's a, a, a wily veteran of the clicker. So if I get going, you're like, hey, you know, that's, that's the same slide. Is that the only thing he's going to talk about? You know, you just go... Just do this, okay? <laughs> you, you never know with me. But let's look at this for a second. God is our, this is, we're going to look at verses one through three. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Just think about that right there. God is our refuge and strength. It doesn't say it might be our refuge and strength. It says he will be our refuge and strength and an ever-present help in trouble. I don't know about you, but what this is telling me is that everybody's going to experience some trouble, okay? We're all going to experience different seasons of trouble, and it, it looks different for all of us. And I like this because you get that part is really important because then you get a therefore. I like words in the Bible. I like what they're there for. And you get this therefore is really important after that because the therefore gives you kind of like if, if you get this, then this is what happens. This is the result. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way, the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, and the mountains quake with their surging. So what I love what this is saying is, is if you have refuge and strength in Him, you're going to have trouble, you're going to have hard seasons, but don't fear. Don't be afraid because He's with you. Now, I, I, like Garen, was pastoring in 2020. I was pastoring a church in Derby, Kansas, a part of suburb of Wichita. And I don't know about you, but um, in 2020, in late spring, when the world kind of shut down, everybody kind of remember that? Vaguely, you know, and, and, and trying to figure out how to do church, be parent, all of that, when, you know, you're... How many of you know that the value of routine as a parent? Is routine your friend? Routine is your friend. And when you don't have it, uh, audience participation time, what can happen if you've lost routine? Chaos. That's funny. You all said chaos. It's true. Chaos. Um, uh, people get in trouble a little bit more. Steve said first service, right? When there's no routine, people get in. I don't know about you, but when there's less routine in the home, everybody's a little grumpier, Right? 
because it's not the way it should be. There's routine is good. And I remember that because we're rolling along, my daughter's in school, um, church life is good, we've got, everything's rolling, we're just clicking, we're just going. And you know, you're starting to hear rumblings, and you're hearing rumors, and you're hearing, you're hearing, you're hearing, and this was on Wednesday night, I'll never forget it, because we had Wednesday night, we had a mid, big, a really big midweek thing that we did at our church, it, it just worked for us. And so we're just rolling along with that, and that Friday, everything shut down. I don't know if you remember that, but everything, like, boom, everything shut down. And so we're just like, you know, it was like, I could not believe how fast and how rapidly things changed in the span of about three days. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm making a video, I'm meeting with all the staff, and we're trying to figure out what to do, what to say, what not to say, because there's no protocols, there's no schooling that any of us have been to to figure out how to do this. And so not only am I doing that on this level over here with my church, but I'm also having to do this at home with my daughter. Now, my daughter's adopted, and I'll tell more about that in a little bit, but routine for her is huge. She, every child needs routine, but when a child's coming out of foster care and has had three failed adoptions and life has been pretty topsy-turvy from, the, from her birth to her four and a half years old, routine is gigantic. And so that next Monday, she is no longer going to school. She's no longer going to gymnastics. She's no longer going to church and Awana, which she loved. And to top it off, she could no longer play with her friends for a season who lived across the street. She was stuck with mom and dad. Then I don't know about you, but, the, but everybody was navigating that that season. And it was really hard. But this passage and this verse reminded me it was kind of a refuge for me. It's like, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. And I don't know about you, but all of us have those moments, whether it was 2020, something in there, or, or what lies ahead for you. But if you don't know that, you can't experience it. You can't know what it's like to have that refuge and strength of a holy God in our lives. And that's so important for us. We need that. And so when you see that, you get the therefore, so don't fear. I didn't know how to do my job when it came to all this, but here's one thing I did know is that God was with me. And he would give our staff and our leadership the wisdom to figure it out. And Garen and uh, remember, some of you remember Grant English. He was the youth pastor here before, well, way back. And uh, I met with, there were about five or six of us pastors. We would call and we were just like, how do we, what do we, what do you think, how? What? Just trying to figure it out. Just trying to know what's the wise thing to do and how do we do this, this thing? Because that's really important. Because it's something I've noticed. And I'll see if I can get this up there. Where do you go? for refuge and strength. Where do you actually lean into? Because some people get to that point where like, I don't know, I, you know, do I, do I lean in on God or do I lean in on my friends? Do I lean in on the popularity of social media, what, what they tell me? Do I lean in on something else? If you're not leaning in on God, you cannot experience His refuge and strength. And that is where fear starts to creep in. 
I was amazed at how many fearful people, how many, let me say this the right way, how many fearful Christians there were in 2020. I was astonished at people who I thought were pretty solid in their faith were just in fear fret mode. I'm like, whoa. I was like, isn't God your Savior? Fear seems to be your Savior right now. And so wherever you find your refuge and strength, I mean, if it's not in Christ, it's going to be in something else. And God certainly can bring some great people into your world, some godly people, but ultimately He needs to be the centerpiece of your life. He needs to be that rock that we go to on that. The second question was, why are we so prone to leaving his refuge and strength? And I got to tell you, I think one of the main reasons why is because we're self-reliant. I can do this. I don't need anybody's help. They may happen to you, but it won't happen to me. I, I, I've been down some roads. I know how. I, and we start to get self-reliant. We start to get self-dependent. We start to say, God... If, if I need you, I'll come find you. And that's not how this is to work. This, this dependency on God is so important that we're leaning in on Him at all times for all seasons and so that we can get through those moments. And I, I wrote this down too, and you can see it there. It says, God cannot work for us and through us unless we trust Him. You cannot experience and allow God to do His best work in you if it's only today. If you're just trusting in God today and, and you're putting your eggs in this morning basket, and as soon as you leave, you're kind of living your life. That's not how this was meant to be. That when you leave here, that God is to be your refuge and strength so that you won't fear at home with your parenting, with your marriage, at your workplace, where you go to school, where the people you hang out with. It's supposed to go where you go. You don't pick up Jesus again next week. You take him with you, and he's with you wherever you go. I love this, this quote by Paul Tripp. He said, your life really is shaped by whom you cry to. Is it to God, or is it to somebody else, or something else? And that's so important for us. When you think about your faith and how you live your life, is, are you reaching him reaching out to Him to be your refuge and strength so that you won't fear, because that's really what this is doing. And I love this because what, what we're seeing in this passage is it's building to more. So let's go on to verse 4 here. Let's take a look. It says, There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her, and she will not fail. Do you see how the writer is building this up, that God is our refuge and strength, and so not to fear because God won't fail. God is a trustworthy God. Life might get crazy, and you may not sure how you're going to get through something, but He is with you. He is, God is undefeated, hasn't lost, okay? will not fail. God will help her at the break of day. Nations are in her uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice to the earth and the earth melts. The Lord, the Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. And you get that Almighty Fortress song. I love this. He says, he shelters us so he can, let me get there. There you go. So you can see it. He shelters us so he can strengthen us to make it through life challenges. See, God wants to get you in a place where he can strengthen you and encourage you because life happens, doesn't it? 
life comes along and you're like, man, I could use a breather here. Oh, man, this has been a hard season. Uh, we're going through this and, and just now, now this and now this and now this. And if he's not your refuge, I'm going to tell you what, you're going to get tired. You're going to wear out. You get, it just happens to us. So when, he, when you allow him to be your strength and refuge, it, he is, typically he is strengthening you for something that's coming. Okay? And I like this too. The word fortress tells us God is, like, remember this, God is trustworthy and dependable. Think about a fortress. The fortress is almost impenetrable. It's strong. It, it's secure. It's a place that you go to find protection, relief, replenishment. Take your pick. And I like this too. Our circumstances may change, but God's covenant with His people will never change. So, you know, you're thinking, well, Danny, I don't, you don't know my story. You don't know what it's, where I've been. You don't know, you know, does, can I really even call out to God to be my strength and my refuge? You don't, I mean, Danny, I mean, I haven't even, I just showed up at church today. I haven't, I haven't prayed. I haven't read his word. I haven't even, I'm not even sure I'm living for God the way that I should. And I love this story because if you remember the story, Jesus has gone to Gethsemane to pray, and he takes three disciples, and, and, and the cross is rapidly approaching for Jesus. Judas has, has declared that he is, he's going to betray him. And, I, you know, I, a couple of weeks ago, I was reading a devotional, and, I, and, it, and it, it really resonated with me about, about my relationship with Christ, and it was this. When Jesus, after he gets up and then he sees Judas come and Judas brings soldiers and religious leaders, this is big thing, and he shows up to him and he, he, he looks, Jesus looks at Judas and if you look up the scripture, just look it up. It says, friend, what you're about to do, do. And I say that to you because in your worst moment, if you are a child of God, you are still His. You are still, He still calls you friend. In your worst moment, you can still allow Him to be your refuge and fortress because He wants to be that for you. If you've not prayed the way that you should, if you've not lived your life the way that you should, but you are a child of God, that's a key word, but you are still friend. Judas had a choice in that moment, but Jesus didn't look at him as, a, as the enemy, he still called him friend. And he's doing that for us. And so our circumstances may change, but God's covenant with his people, us, hasn't changed. If you are his child, he still calls you friend, regardless of how it's been going for you. I like this verse too out of Isaiah 54, 10. It says this. It says, For the mountains may depart and the hills be removed, but my steadfast love shall not depart from you, and my covenant of, the, of peace shall not be removed, says the Lord, who has compassion on you. So I want you to think about that. So this is building, okay? So how many of you would uh, say you struggle with stillness? You're, you're just on the go. You just go and you can't, you just can't shut it down. Stillness. Uh, how many of you have told your child to be still this morning? 
How many of you told your spouse to be still this morning? Uh, stillness is an elusive thing for us. We, we value it. We'll put, a, we'll put up a, 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 a picture in our house, be still and know that I am God. But man, it is tough to find stillness in the pace, in the world, um, your social media, your, your phones. Um, your phone on Sunday, if you have an iPhone, I don't know if the other ones do it, but it'll tell you your average. How many you got your average? Have your mind, yeah, you all get your average, just social media alone. And so stillness, whether it's job, whether it's um, your family and all that. So let me ask you another question. How many of you this week woke up early thinking about things and you couldn't shut it down and you didn't go back to sleep? Okay. It happens to us and it's all shapes and sizes. Stillness is a, a challenging thing to hear God's voice in our lives. And that's what this passage is building towards. Now, some of you know, um, I was the youth pastor here for a season, as Steve said, and Beth and I, my wife, um, we weren't able to have kids. And so we didn't have any kids, but we became surrogate parents to a lot of kids over 22 years of student ministry, which I never, don't regret and love and was honored to do that. But when I became pastor uh, at Pleasant View Baptist down in Derby, um, we were coming back from Kansas City. We, Beth and I had gone up for some shopping and just play, and we were coming back, and we were almost to Wichita. And just as we we're getting close to Wichita, I hear God. I've never heard God audibly speak, but I've heard him in my soul a lot. And he said to me, as clear as I'm standing before you, ask Beth if she wants to adopt. And I'm like, what? Seriously? And I'm thinking to myself, I'm having this inner dialogue with God. I'm like, first off, the first words that came out of my mouth was now, as I'm old? You know, why didn't this happen when I was in my 20s or 30s? I'm, you know, at the time I was 53. I don't know about you, but having, having a child in your house when you're 53, it's one thing you're a grandparent because you can give them back. But as a 53-year-old, you know. And so God and I are having this internal dialogue about asking Beth if she wants to adopt. In the stillness of that ride home, there's a hurricane going on in my head, okay? And, I, and, I, and I'm giving God every excuse of why this doesn't work at this season of my life. And in the stillness of that moment, God kept consistently and didn't change the tone, ask her if she wants to adopt. He didn't change the words. He didn't change the tone. My tone changed a lot. Like, God, seriously? Do you know what you're getting yourself? I mean, so, and, we're, and so this goes on for about 10 miles as we're getting close to home. So finally, uh, you know, to what Steve said earlier about God's word, a lot of us listen to God's word, but actually doing it's hard because listening is just easy. Yeah, I heard that. I heard Danny preach. Yeah, but we don't do anything with it. God's word, then okay. And so after a little bit of dialogue with God more and more of my excuses, I did the hard thing. Not only did I hear God's word, actually did what he asked me to do, the obedient part. So I look over at Beth, 
Unbeknownst, I've been having this dialogue for about 10 miles with God about why adoption's not going to work. And I said, babe, what do you think about adoption? She goes, yes. And that's the end of the conversation. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, let me say, have you ever had that awkward silence with your spouse? Like, who's going to, what do we need to say next here? That was that moment. I mean, it's like, I don't even know. So I'm like, let me get my chin back up and let's get home. So we get home and I'm, you know, in the stillness of my soul, God has spoken clearly to me that we need to do this. So we get home and we get out of the car unpacked and I'm like, whoa, sweetie, babe, why haven't you said anything to me about this? She said, because 18 months ago, in the stillness of my soul, God told me that we would adopt and you would ask me, and I had to wait. And I was like, dang it, we're adopting. <laughs> I mean, it was just that moment of like, okay, God, I needed more strength, more refuge, more of God to be a parent. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it, let me just tell you, it's one thing to coach from a, the, the, the armchair until you're actually one totally different gig. And I so appreciate the parents that I got to serve with. And so let's take a look at this passage because it builds towards this. Verse 8 says, come and see what the Lord has done, the desolation he has brought on the earth. He makes war cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. And verse 10, he says, be still. Because until you're still, you can't do the second part of that statement. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. Oh, let me back up. There we go. I'll be excited. I'll be exalted among the nations. The Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Going back to that whole idea of trustworthy and dependable. Stillness is hard. Stillness, it, it sounds spiritual and it sounds right, but let me give you something. Stillness is not just sitting in a chair. Okay, God, speak. I was driving and I wasn't thinking about a car. I was just driving home. It was a great time. We ate some good food, had some fun shopping, got some good deals, and now I'm adopting. I mean, stillness is that moment of, of, of positioning yourself so that you can hear from God. Because God speaks, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, that was God. Okay, that's pretty clearly God speaking into my life. And, I, you know, it, it struck me that this passage has, you know, when you think about God being our strength and refuge, I, I put this in there. I love this because out of the 23rd Psalm, if you've ever looked at that passage, which is a fantastic passage, by the way, and a guy named Philip Keller wrote a book because he was a sheep farmer fascinating read about this passage related to the, this verse. It says this, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are, what does it say? With me. God of fortress, God of, when, when we're going through crazy hard seasons of uncertainty, or I'm not even sure how this is going to look as a parent, I'm not even sure how I'm going to parent through COVID, God is with you if you are his child. And it may, not, it may not look clear, it may not, you may not be really sure, but when it's foggy, but you know the Savior, it's trustworthy because you got His hand and He's got you. I love this. 
And I love this too because when you look at the be still, it literally means take your hands off and relax. How many of you have taken your car or truck through a car wash and it says put your car in neutral, take your hands off the wheel, but man, that take your hands off the wheel, I don't know, just in case. Yeah, I see you, Don. You have to be. It's funny because we're like, ah, you know, just in case. Maybe if it gets off the rails a little bit. And, but man, it's just hard to let control of our lives to be still and allow God to speak into our lives and go, okay, God, it's all yours. It's all yours. And when God called Beth and I to be parents when we were really old, I felt like, I mean, like, I'm reading Abraham and Sarah, and I'm going, that's us. Of course, now, they were in their 80s and 90s, so, and they were having a child from childhood, so that was birthing, uh, the whole other thing. But it says, just, just take your hands off and relax, be still. And see, we lived in a hurried society, would you agree? Everything is, I mean, everything, you got a microwave, it's instant, Right? You can, I mean, if, if the, if the drive through is going slow, are you getting a little agitated? Yes or no? Or if you drive up to a drive through and you go, oh man, that line is so long, except for Chick-fil-A, then it's an amazing thing. I'm going to tell you, Chick-fil-A through COVID had an amazing, like, I don't even know how they serve that many people because they didn't, you know, it, but let me just say, we get impatient about so many things and stillness is elusive for us. We get um, impatient if we go out to eat after this and the waitress or waiter doesn't serve us promptly or we don't get seated well or somebody doesn't move quickly enough from the light or the, or the traffic sign. I, <laughs> I used to tell my church I wanted to be a police officer that works specifically for grocery stores for people who were abusing the 12 items or less. Who's with me on that? When somebody walks up, and they walk up and they've got, it's 12 items or less. They, they have looked over and all the other registers are full. And so they bring their three carts to the 12 items or less. Now, all the rest of us, like I'm carrying my things and they've got a shopping cart full. And I'm like, I want to be, but I'm thinking to myself, what am I in a hurry for? What am I really in a hurry for? You know, it's super awkward when somebody doesn't turn out of your parking lot and you realize they went to church with you just a few moments ago and you're, you're wanting to, you're like, come on, hurry up, you know, and it's like stillness is, is this thing that gets, it's more elusive throughout our day. We're, we're impatient with our children, with our spouse, with, uh, if the internet's not working, heaven forbid, um, and stillness becomes an afterthought. We sound spiritual, we, we agree that it is, but we don't position ourselves to know God is a refuge and a strength and a fortress. We don't. It's an afterthought. We don't think about it enough. And so I, some things I've learned about stillness is this. That waiting on God is really hard. We don't like waiting on God, do we? Think about Abraham and Sarah. I mean, he told him that they would have a child. And then, he, and then, and then years go by and Jesus, God, he's like... Now I'm going to have a child when I'm, oh, lost this. Hang on a second. I'm going to have a child now when I'm really old. Thanks a lot, God. God has a way. When we're waiting on God, we don't like to wait on God. We're impatient with God. We, don't, we want God to move, but we want him to move. Like whenever we pray, most of us expect that prayer to be done by the time, answered by the time we're done. Like I have to wait for that. I, I remember I had a lady at my church. Her name was Hazel. Her husband's name was Johnny. 
And she prayed for him to come to faith in Christ, not for four months, not for four years, but for 40 years. And prayed faithfully to that effect. And he did. 40 years. And he prayed that, and she prayed that. And so waiting on God is not, is not our default position. It's like, God, hurry up. Let's get this done. The other thing I've noticed is this. Knowing about him becomes greater than listening to him. A lot of, the, the, what I've discovered as I've gotten older is a lot of people know a lot about God, but listening to him is kind of secondary. And, uh, you know, I'd rather, because I can tell you a lot about God, but I can't tell you specifically how he has spoken to me, but I can tell you a lot about him. And I think that's one of the things that happens to us as we get older, that the stillness part starts to get hijacked even more tragically by the knowledge. Like if you can quote me the first five books of the Old Testament, that's great. But tell me about how God is actually speaking into your soul. And so we're seeing that. I'm seeing that as a pastor and in working with churches now. Knowing about him has become greater than listening to him. Listening to him sounds kind of, oh, well, that's where God does his best work. That's where God does his best work. And that's important for us as we think about this, is that he does his best work when we're listening to him because we've got to position ourselves to be still. And hear me on this. If you don't hear anything else, it's not sitting in a chair and going, okay, God, speak, but you've got a few minutes, and then I've got to go. God speaks to you through your day, through your driving, through your conversations, in those moments where it's not on Sunday, I promise you, God's probably going to speak more to you in the conversations and the rest of your life, that, but not today per se. That you take this and you go, oh gosh, I have an opportunity to be still. I'm going to do that. The former, uh, before Garen, uh, uh, Al, who I got the privilege to serve with, he was a big advocate for margin. Just don't fill your calendar up. Don't, if, if, if your life is so full, being still is tough. It's tough. And I love what Dallas Willard said. He said this. He said, the hurry is the great enemy of the spiritual life. Just, you're just in a hurry. You're always going. You're just, you know, just, I, oh, I, I, you know, I've got to go. I've got I've to get. You know, we're just always in this hurry. And I, something that struck me, and I didn't say this in first service, is that Jesus was busy, but he wasn't hurried. And there's a difference. There's nothing wrong with being busy. Just make sure that you're not hurried because what happens with busy is it kind of morphs into hurried. And what happens when you're hurried is you don't hear well. Have you ever had to ask somebody to repeat what they just said because you were distracted? Uh, years ago, I, I think I, I, don't, I may have said that here, but I was talking to my sister, but I was also watching ESPN, which is not a good combination. And so all that my sister heard for about five minutes was, uh-huh. 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 And finally, my sister goes, what did I just say? Uh-huh. No, I don't know. <laughs> I was I, like, um, your brother's awesome? No. Uh, I, I was a train wreck. Because typically what happens to us is that when, we're, when we don't have any margin, when we've said yes to everything and no to nothing, our plates are full, we get agitated, we're just, just go, 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 we're exhausted. And then to hear God speak is challenging to say the least. And so when he says the great enemy, Dallas Willard, 
is of a hurried life. I mean, Jesus was busy, but he wasn't hurried. He saw people. I mean, just go back and look at the Gospels. It says Jesus saw. He was really good at seeing people. And for us, when we want to, the stillness of our lives allows God to speak so that we can confirm his refuge and strength. We can experience it personally, and we can know it when life gets crazy. But you got to be still. Stillness surrounds all of that. To experience all of those, you've got to have the, the fullness of Christ, that stillness in your life saying, okay, I've got to say no to some things. Here's the last thing that it's, that's so important that comes out of stillness. It's this. Stillness is where God deepens the familiar and reveals new things. Stillness is where God says, you're still my child. You may have had a really rotten week, spiritually speaking. You may have not have been a great husband, a great father, a great wife, a great mother. You may have not been a great employee, a great friend, whatever it is. But I like this. Stillness is where he deepens. He goes, you're still my beloved child. I'm still your savior. I'm still your fortress. I'm still your refuge. I'm still your strength. Do you trust me? See, stillness gives you the, the privilege and the opportunity to experience God so that you can live life the way he wants you to, the way he designed us to. But when we don't do those things and we get kind of afterthoughts of him, I, I told some pastors the other day, God doesn't want your glances he wants your gaze. There's a big difference between the two. A glance, I can look at Stephen and look away, but a gaze, I've given him eye contact because it shows that I value him. And see, Sundays, I think too often for us, become glances of Jesus and not our gaze. And so we give Jesus a glance on Sunday, but he doesn't get anything else the rest of the week. And so stillness becomes elusive. It becomes an afterthought. And then yet here we have this opportunity to speak and to experience Christ and to talk. Because, man, people, when, you, when I get around somebody who's really frantic and hectic, it's exhausting. Like, man, I'm like, whoa, boy, I need to back away from this. This person is, man, they're just, they're, they have no margin. They're just go, 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 go. And stillness is where God does some of his best work. He confirms who he is. He confirms his character, his promises, his love, and his presence right in your midst. And then he'll teach you something. He'll reveal something that maybe you didn't even know. Uh, a friend of mine told me years ago, he said, man, be a, be a lifelong learner. Allow God to do what he does. And I think as the older we get, we think, oh, I've, I've heard that Bible story. When I was in second grade, I told my Bible school teacher, I don't need to come to church anymore because I've heard all our stories. Not true, by the way. Because I, I thought that the only thing the Bible consisted of was Daniel, Noah's Ark, Adam and Eve, and Jesus, and a couple of other ancillary stories. No, there's a lot more. And I think that, that stillness is something that we've got, to, we've, got to, we've got to want. You can't just say, oh, I'll be still. No, it, it's, it's, stillness is just slowing down your mind and your heart so that you can hear God and say, okay, God, speak into my life. And it's also praying that prayer that God would still your heart. Say, God, still my heart so that I can hear from you. You know, I didn't pray that prayer when he talked to me about adopting my daughter. But I had, I had, I had been in a, a really healthy season spiritually with God. 
that he could speak with freedom in my life. And I pray that you will allow him to have that same freedom to speak into your life. And, and, and it's a dangerous prayer to say, God, still my heart so that you can speak. Because if, if you ask him to do that, buckle up. That's what I'm saying, okay? So let me pray for y'all. God, I am so privileged that I get to be a father, even though I'm old, and I'm grateful that I get to be Italia's father, and um, watching Beth be her mother is one of the greatest joys of my life, and I, I say thank you for that, but I only, that only happens because there was a moment when I was still enough in my mind and in my heart to allow you to speak, and more importantly, that I responded because I knew that to be a father, I would need strength and refuge. And I pray for some in this room and those that may be listening someplace else, that they would know that you want to be their strength and refuge. But stillness is required to know those things. I pray for some, God, that they need to have the courage maybe to just say no to some things and to say yes to you. I pray for some, God, that they've given you far too many glances but they've not given you their gaze. And so I pray, God, that we would give you our gaze, not only on Sunday because it's easy, but as we work and as we live our lives. Thank you, God, for the stillness that you bring our, to our lives. Thank you for being our strength and our refuge. Remind us of that, that you are a fortress so that we won't fear. Thank you, God, for that assurance. In your name I pray, amen. Well, God bless you. Thank you guys for allowing me to be here this week, and Garen will be back with you next week, and I hope that this is a reminder to you that stillness is important and essential. God bless.